0: Today, I'll be reading Cupcakes and Kittens, chapters 7 and 8, written by Mandala Rose. The rating for this fic is explicit. The pertinent tags for this fic include Alternate Universe Coffee Shops and Cafes, Baker Dean Winchester, Reluctant Kitten Owner Dean Winchester, Cat Rescuer Castiel, Two-Person Love Triangle Online Meeting, Online Flirting Competently by dean Openly Gay Castiel Mentions of Past Canonical Character Death Fluff and Angst Pining, Slow Burn Fraudage, Masturbation Hand Kink No Kittens Come to Harm in This Story CHAPTER Seven, STIR BY HAND TO COMBINE Hand me that. Dean's deep voice, even rougher at this ungodly hour, pulls Castiel out of his daze as he moves to grab the large sack of flour the baker is gesturing to. He hands off the flour, immediately shifting to fetch the sugar he knows will be asked for next. After all, this is far from the first batch of muffins they've made this morning. Almost, Castiel is regretting his offer to come in early to help Dean prepare for his first large catering order. He can't quite manage it, though, not when Dean looks at him with sleep mussed hair and a flower smudge on one cheek, rolling out, Thanks, Cass, in that husky, pre-dawn voice. Plus, he wants his business partner's first big catering order venture to be a resounding success. This order is for the monthly board meeting of one of the largest companies in town, and if they're happy with Dean's work, it could be a recurring job. Also, the voice thing. They've been working side by side for the past two hours, prepping and baking enough pastries to satisfy both Dean's catering order and the shop's needs for the entire morning, since Dean will be on site at the catering event. If his catering business picks up like Castiel expects it will, it won't be long before they have to hire someone to man the events while Dean stays behind and bakes. In the interim, however, Castiel is happy to help in any way that he can. Fortunately, one of the requested pastries for today's order are the honey vanilla croissants Castiel is so fond of. They're time-consuming and take multiple days to prepare but this means all of the croissants were actually rolled out and shaped yesterday morning. This morning, they were ready to go straight from the cooler into the proofing oven. Dean has timed everything so the croissants will be ready to transfer into the regular ovens for baking once the last of the muffins have come out. Aside from the truly heinous time of day, it's actually been very enjoyable working with Dean in the kitchen. It reminds Castiel of those first few weeks of their acquaintance, moving around one another in their small, shared baking class workspace. It turns out that Castiel's not nearly such a kitchen disaster when he isn't actually trying to cook anything. He's pleased to know that he's more than capable of adequately fetching, pouring, and weighing out ingredients. Twenty minutes later, Dean is carefully lifting the last readied tray of muffins into the waiting oven. Now, all their ovens occupied, they have another twenty minutes until the first batch of muffins is ready to come out, smelling of blueberries and citrus. In the meantime, the two men drag themselves from the kitchen to the front of the shop, because that's where the coffee lives. Refilling both of their cups from the single-filled decanter, The shop doesn't open for another hour and a half. Castiel can see the tense lines of Dean's body as he leans against the counter, his demeanor the complete opposite of his usual casual grace. It's going to be okay, Dean, he says reassuringly, though it's difficult to project the confidence he's going for when he knows his voice sounds like he just rolled out of bed and his eyes are probably still grainy and bloodshot. Who the hell thinks 9 a.m. board meetings are a good idea? We're ahead of schedule, and the smells coming out of the kitchen already have my stomach demanding something more than coffee. Dean offers him a half-hearted smile, and Castiel wishes there was more he could do to soothe the baker's nerves. I know, Dean says, sounding like he doesn't know anything of the sort. Just can't help being nervous, I guess. What if something goes wrong and half the pastries burn and I don't have time to remake them? What if I drop an entire tray on the floor when I'm pulling them out of the oven? What if they get all smushed in their boxes on their way to the catering? What if... They won't. Castiel cuts in. None of those things are going to happen, he said firmly. Your pastries are going to taste delicious and they will all make it to that board meeting in pristine condition. You're going to do great. How do you know? Dean asks, halfway between petulance and hope. Castiel shrugs. I have faith. Dean startles, knocking his mug over onto the countertop and spilling a trail of black coffee between them. Castiel jumps at the thud of porcelain on the heavy wood and turns to the sink in search of a cloth to clean up the mess. Shit, sorry, Dean says hurriedly over the sound of tearing paper towels. Don't worry about it, Castiel assures him. Are you all right? For a moment, Dean had looked as though he'd seen a ghost. Yeah, he answers. You just reminded me of someone there for a minute. I just wasn't expecting that. Dean's words trail off as they both turn around at the same time in their attempts to sop up the coffee mess, coming nose to nose over the rivulet of coffee dripping steadily onto the floor. Dean's face is so, so close and no less attractive for it. From this angle, Castiel has the front-row view of every freckle gracing the bridge of Dean's nose, as well as the flower smudge that still lingers on one perfect cheekbone. Almost on instinct, he feels his hand come up to smooth away the powdery residue, his thumb-grazing Dean's stubbled cheek, Dean swallows and Castiel's tongue darts out to wet, suddenly parched lips as his heart plays a drum solo behind his ribs. When Dean's jade-green eyes drop to follow the movement, Castiel finds himself wondering if Dee's eyes are a similar shade. The thought hits him like a bucket of ice water, and Dean must see something change in his expression, because his own eyes widen in shock. The two of them step away from each other in a move so synchronized it could have been choreographed, each suddenly looking anywhere but the other. Dean, I'm... Cass, I'm so sorry, but I can't. Dean cuts him off, speaking rapidly. Castiel's mouth clicks shut as Dean rushes on. Look, you're great, okay? You're smart and nice, and you're one of the most goddamn gorgeous humans I've ever seen, and I'd be a flat-out liar if I said I wasn't attracted to you but I can't, because we work together. Castiel hazards once he finds his voice. Yes, Dean answers, then shakes his head. No, maybe. I mean, yeah, that's part of it, but it's not just that. I... Dean licks his lips, dragging a hand across the back of his neck. There's this guy. You're dating someone? Has Castiel been lusting after an unavailable man all this time? No, Dean answers quickly. No, I'm definitely single. Believe me, I wouldn't have let us get anywhere near that close if I weren't. It's a more of an unrequited thing. But he, I'm... Dean trails off, gesturing vaguely with the hand that's not still clutching the back of his neck like a lifeline. Castiel offers up a lopsided smile so head over heels that you can't help but think about him even when you're right next to one of the most gorgeous humans you've ever seen. Dean blushes, looking at Castiel with a wince. So you understand? Castiel nods slowly, the twinge of disappointment he feels easily overshadowed by the immensity of his relief. More than you know he chuckles a little completely bemused by the fact that even standing inches away from dean winchester greek god incarnate his mind is still on a man whose face he's never seen clearly castiel's situation is even more hopeless than he thought does he know how you feel he asks suddenly realizing dean had said his infatuation was also unrequited nah dean answers finally dropping down to mop up the almost-forgotten coffee on the floor. Castiel moves to do the same with the dwindling trail on the counter. I haven't actually asked him out or anything. It's complicated. Really complicated. He adds, standing and tossing the sodden paper towels in the wastebasket. You should. Castiel advises as he rinses out the cloth and washes his hands at the sink. Anyone who makes you feel like that is worth taking a chance on. A small voice in the back of his mind taunts him for his complete inability to take his own advice, but he ignores it. It might make him a fraud and a hypocrite, but at the very least, maybe he can help Dean improve his romantic life. One of them should get the chance to be happy with the person they care about. Yeah? Dean asks. Definitely. Dean nods, looking thoughtful as he takes his turn at the sink. Drying his hands with a clean paper towel, he turns to Castiel with a soft chuckle. Just gotta have faith, right? Hey man, thanks again for this morning. Dean says into the smartphone cradled between his shoulder and ear as he unlocks the trailer door. Correctly guessing that Dean was going to be exhausted after an early morning spent baking double his usual number of breakfast pastries and then running anxiously around the catering site, Cass had insisted that he go straight home afterwards. Dean had argued with him before he left for the catering but after a long morning spent refilling pastry trays and helping Andy refill coffee decanters between the board's sign-in and mid-morning break, he can appreciate his boss-slash-business partner's wisdom. If they do land this as a monthly gig, Dean is definitely going to have to talk to Cass about hiring someone other than Andy to help out with catering jobs. The kid is friendly enough, but he only has about two functioning states, stoned or jittery as hell. Though he was taking Cass's advice and going home, Dean couldn't resist the urge to call the shop from his truck, to let Cass know how things had gone. Not to mention, he felt a need to make sure things were really okay between them, that their almost kiss and mutual freak-out this morning hadn't made things weird. Fortunately, Cass liked Dean, Seems content to pretend those 15 minutes never happened, and it loosened something in Dean's chest. Sure, he might be thinking the L word about CJ, but he still cares about Cass and values both their working relationship and their friendship. Of course, Dean. I'm just glad things went well. How did Andy do? You know, he's Andy. Dean answers as he steps through the door, dropping his duffel on the carpeted floor and chucking his shoes into the coat closet. For once, he's not completely covered in flour, since he'd changed at the shop before the catering. He can still feel it under his clothes, though, leaving him vaguely grimy and itchy. Hmm. Cass agrees in that deep rumble of his. I'll have Charlie write up a job posting, and we'll see if we can find some extra help, even if it's just someone part-time for catering events. Was the van okay? We made it work, but it would definitely be a lot easier to fit everything in and not have to worry about things falling over without the freezer in there. Gabe had let them borrow the food truck he uses to sell his ice cream by the scoop at local community events. It was a lifesaver, though. We never could have hauled all that in my truck or Andy's Civic. Well, if your catering orders take off, it may not be long before we can get a delivery van. You think? I do. And I think we may not have a choice. I bet Charlie could even design car magnets with our business logos that we could put on the sides. It's a great way to advertise without having to spend the money for a custom paint job. That would be awesome, but do you think it's really necessary? Maybe not necessary, but it would be a great advertisement. Sometimes, investing a little extra in your business really pays off. There's a teasing lilt to his voice that tells Dean he's talking about more than car magnets. You saying I'm a good investment, Cass? He asks with a grin. I know you don't believe this, Dean, but you really have saved the sweet bean. We were about three months from closing the doors, and now we're solidly in the black for the first time since Gabe bought the place. So yes, you are an excellent investment. Dean shakes his head in bemusement. A couple of months ago, he could barely afford gas money. The thought of having a business, his own business, to invest in is still surreal. He's still trying to come up with some kind of response that might even begin to encapsulate how grateful he is to Cass for giving him the chance when a crinkling sound makes him turn towards the kitchen. There, sticking out of the open bread bag, is a furry, ginger-striped bottom, orange tail swishing triumphantly. Through the clear cellophane, Dean sees Cupcake happily devouring her prey, a thick slice of sourdough. Hey, get out of there, you fuzzy little terrorist! Dean shouts from the living room. The barely still-a-kitten jumps at the sudden noise, but then seeing the perpetrator is just Dean, simply tilts her head at him and licks her nose before turning back to her afternoon snack. Fuzzy little terrorist! Cass's confused voice buzzes in his ear. Nothing, Dean answers quickly. Just talking to Sam. He's far too wiped to go into the story of his reluctant kitten ownership right now, even if he was willing to admit to anyone besides Sam and CJ that he owns a kitten he named Cupcake, of all things. Sam had teased him for days when Dean finally confessed what he'd name his foster kitten-turned-permanent roommate. A baker with a cat named Cupcake, Dean? That's precious. The Sasquatch had chortled as Dean glared daggers at his phone. I guess I should just be happy you didn't name her Pie. Pie? Dean scoffed. Of course not. That's a stupid name for a cat. Somehow, that had just made Sam laugh harder. Besides, he reasons, he might be yelling at Cupcake, but this is equally Sam's fault. His brother is the one who left the bread sitting on the counter, still not used to the unwritten but entirely necessary new house rule of don't leave anything lying out, anywhere, ever. Well, I'll let you go so you can tell Sam about the catering event. I'm sure he'll want to hear all about it, Cass says warmly. In truth, Sam is actually gone for the afternoon. Already on the way to Ellen's for his evening shift, The same shift Dean used to work, in fact. He won't be home until at least eleven. He can't very well tell Cass that, though. It's just as well. Cupcake is now looking at Dean smugly through her transparent bread bag shield, apparently realizing Dean isn't going to make a move to chase her out of the bread while he's on the phone. Yeah, sure, Dean says, glowering at the orange fuzzball. Have a good evening, man. After hanging up with Cass, Dean stalks towards the countertop. Cupcake scrambles, trying to free herself from the bag without letting go of her prize, her paws scrabbling without purchase on the slick plastic. Scooping her up, Dean pulls her out of the bag, the bread falling to the countertop. Lifting her up to eye level, he scolds her gently. You're going to make yourself sick, you know that? And I'm not going to feel sorry for you when you do. Dean lies, knowing damn well he'd be in full-on panic mode if anything happened to the stupid furball. Pupcake looks at him with a very feline pout, letting out a sulky, (coughs) as Dean sets her down, hoping she didn't eat too much of the bread before he caught her. He makes a mental note to yell at Sam later. Stifling a yawn, he makes his way to the bathroom, attempting to dodge the orange menace twining herself around his ankles and doing her damnedest to trip him along the way, probably in retribution for Dean ending her carb binge. It's not like Dean can blame her. He's done far worse to people who've tried to separate him from his pie before he was finished. Dean finds himself spending most of his shower in a daze, letting the day's events sink into his skin with the hot water. His first catering order, aside from the birthday cupcakes he'd made for a customer's friend a couple of weeks ago, had been an overwhelming success. he still can't quite believe it, but Billy, the admin responsible for organizing and facilitating the monthly board meetings, had assured Dean that not only were the pastries and coffee raved about by the board members but that he could count on a call next week to schedule for at least the next three months. He's actually doing it; he's a baker, not only that he's a bakery owner, sure. He might not have his own storefront, but that hardly seems to matter. Cass and Gabe haven't shirked on their promises to promote the family business bakery. Every flyer, every business card, every little brown paper bag they wrap Dean's Pastries in for their customers features the FBB logo right next to the beans. How is this his life? Thinking about Cass inevitably leads to thinking about their moment this morning again. Finally stepping out of the shower, Dean towels off quickly before wrapping the white terry cloth around his waist. Scooping up his dirty clothes, he replays their conversation as he heads for his bedroom. I have faith. Hearing Cass unknowingly echo CJ's words from the night before he started to work at the coffee shop had felt like a sign from the heavens. It was almost two months ago now. But few enough people have expressed their faith in Dean over the years that he's damn well going to remember it when someone does. When he found Cass staring at him like he was about to move in for a kiss, well, Dean wanted it. But it wasn't Cass he wanted it from. He knew then that as long as CJ is in the metaphorical picture, there's no way he could ever start anything with Cass. It wouldn't be fair to any of them. Cass had seemed surprisingly okay with Dean's letdown. A little disappointed, maybe, but relieved, too. Maybe he'd been more concerned about the employer-employee thing than he let on. Or maybe, Dean thinks, remembering Cass as amused but fervent more than you know. Dean isn't the only one harboring a potentially one-sided flame. Either way, he's relieved that Cass took the whole thing like a champ. Maybe Cass had just been looking for a little workplace fling. But still, rejection stings, and the last thing Dean wants to do is hurt someone who's been nothing but kind to him. Ditching the towel for a pair of boxer briefs, Dean doesn't bother putting anything else on before tugging his phone out of the now-discarded slacks and collapsing onto his memory foam mattress, the single most expensive and least regretted purchase of his adult life. It's only June, but with the heat wave that's hit this week, it feels more like mid-July. He feels a headbutt against his ribcage and looks down, grinning as Cupcake sidles up to him. Are we good now? Her only answer is to flop down gracelessly along his side, rolling over onto her back and licking at his shower-fresh skin with her rough tongue. He'll take grooming as a sign that all's forgiven. It's an awkward angle, but he brings one hand down to scratch behind Cupcake's ears as he swipes open his phone and pulls up his DMs with the other, firing off a message to CJ, then immediately wincing when he re-reads it and sees how lame it is. Off to a great start, then. Hey, hope you're having a good day. Hello, D. Yes, it's been a very interesting day, but a good one. Interesting. Something happened. CJ doesn't respond immediately, and for some reason, Dean's suddenly overwhelmed with a panicky feeling that he's missed his chance. That somehow, on the same day he finally decided to tell CJ he wants to be more than just anonymous internet buddies, the guy has gone out and found someone else. It's more that something didn't happen, and it helped me come to a rather important realization. Dean sighs at the vague non-response. Once again, he gives CJ the opportunity to open up, to share something personal, but he doesn't. Maybe he's barking up the wrong tree here after all. He's all but decided to abandon his plan to fess up to his feelings for his online friend when his phone buzzes with CJ's next message. I'd like to meet you, D. If that's something you'd be amenable to. Dean chokes on air. C.J. wants to meet him. C.J. wants to meet him. He stares open-mouthed at the phone until a furry tap to his ribcage reminds him that he stopped petting Cupcake in his shock. He resumes his scratching as he quickly fumbles out a response. Yes. I mean, I'm amenable. So amenable. Like very, very amenable. Dean groans as he rereads the quick succession of messages. Well, so much for playing hard to get. Not that he's intended to. Naturally, it only occurs to Dean now that CJ might have just meant he wanted them to hang out as friends. He cringes when he sees the next message. Does this mean you're interested in meeting? Or interested in me. Shit. Shit, 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 shit. He takes a deep breath. Well, it's now or never. He's either about to score a date with the guy he's slowly been falling for over the past four months, or he's going to lose one of the best friends he's ever had. So yeah, no pressure. Fingers shaking, he types out his answer. Both? Both? if that's something you'd be amenable to. If this was their usual casual flirting, Dean would have added an emoji to the end of that sentence, but this moment feels a little too important for winky faces. So instead, he holds his breath as he waits for CJ's response. It's not long before a series of messages appear on his screen, followed by a winking emoji. How do I put this? Yes. I mean, I'm amenable. So amenable. Like, really, really amenable. Dean's heart plummets when the first message comes through, only to buoy a minute later as the rest follow. His sudden and unexpected laugh earns a startled hiss from Cupcake. Soothing her with more pets, he shakes his head as he writes back to CJ. Snarky asshole. Asshole. He murmurs affectionately. You're such an asshole. Maybe that's why I like you so much. I would add questionable taste to the things I know about you, but I already know you listen to Taylor Swift. Hey, we agreed never to talk about those drunk texts, and you bite your tongue. That woman is fucking talented. Dean thinks to himself for a moment about all the things he knows, and doesn't know about the guy he just agreed to go out with. He decides for once in his life to do the mature thing. You've got a point, though, not about Tay Swift. There's still a lot we don't know about each other. Should we maybe talk about that? I think that just gives us plenty to talk about when we meet. After all, it wouldn't really be a first date without the opportunity for awkward small talk, would it? Dean grins. CJ called it a date. It's officially a date. He hasn't been this excited over a first date since he had asked Cassie out back in junior year. A first date, huh? Does that mean you're hoping for a second? Of course. Though to be honest, I'm still in shock that you agreed to meet me at all. After all, I could be an 85-year-old man with halitosis and no hair for all you know. Are you sure you want it to be a date? Dean smiles to himself. Somehow, it's never even occurred to him that CJ could have been lying during their previous conversations. The guy's just too genuine for that. I have faith in you. Besides... The same could be true of me. How do you know I'm not an 85 year old geezer with bad breath? I have enough pictures of various kitten covered parts of you to know that's not likely. Dean's breath hitches at the knowledge that CJ noticed his various parts in all those kitten pictures he sent over the past few months, and he can't help but wonder just how much attention CJ may have paid to those parts. He bites his lip for a minute, debating on just how far he should push, then decides fuck it and taps his camera app. You mean like this? Dean says aloud as he types the same a minute later, smirking to himself as the picture he just sent CJ pops up in their message screen. It's ostensibly a picture of Cupcake, curled up into Dean's side. Of course, it also just happens to show the entirety of Dean's bare chest and stomach, defined pectorals and tanned upper abdominals, giving away to a bit of softness above the waistband of his boxer briefs. He's made sure to include enough of the waistband that it's clear he's sitting around in just his underwear, but not the actual underwear themselves. After all, he doesn't want CJ to think he's a total perv, or to get the idea that Dean's just out for a hookup. CJ doesn't seem to mind the picture, though, based on his response a moment later. I nearly dropped the phone. You are definitely not an octogenarian. You were supposed to be looking at the kitten. There's a kitten. Dean belts out another laugh, which startles Cupcake so much she leaps to her feet. Shooting him an annoyed look, the feline decides she's finally had enough of his nonsense and hops down from the bed, off to find somewhere more accommodating to nap. Dean can't feel bad, though. He's grinning so hard his face hurts. Dean knows he's a good-looking enough guy. But for some reason, knowing that CJ finds him attractive is thrilling in a way that's new. Maybe it's because this is a side of the guy he hasn't seen before. CJ, are you flirting with me? Finally? Yes, I think I might be. Am I doing okay? God damn, this man is adorable. If he's even half as cute in person as he is over text, Dean is completely screwed. Well, I'm grinning like an idiot and blushing like a schoolgirl, so yeah, I'd say you're doing all right. That's very good to know. I bet you're very attractive when you blush. Dean licks his lips and shifts his hips as his stomach gives a sudden leap. Fuck. Dean doesn't know what he expected to happen when he sent CJ that picture, but opening a Pandora's box of thirst sure wasn't it. I'd send you a picture of my face, but I kind of want the first time we see each other to be the first time we see each other, you know? Shit, that sounds stupid. That doesn't sound stupid at all, Dee. It sounds very romantic, and I am not at all opposed to romance especially when it comes to you. Definitely not helping the blushing. How the hell is Dean supposed to look this guy in the face when they go on this date of theirs? Maybe he should take a picture of himself beforehand, just to prove to CJ that his face isn't permanently this shade of red. Of course, his face probably goes from red to purple when CJ's next message pops up, since he stops breathing entirely. I know you said you had faith that I really am who I say I am, but I feel like that faith should be rewarded. Dean's mouth falls open as he takes in the attached picture. Like him, CJ is shirtless, the selfie highlighting his naked torso. However, there are a couple of key differences that Dean's downstairs brain is very quick to note. Whereas Dean had captured the top of his waistband in his photo... C.J.'s sharp hip bones and goddamn tantalizing happy trail disappear into the folds of a bright orange bath towel. And while Dean's picture had shown his charcoal bed sheets behind him, C.J.'s muscled biceps and chiseled pecs with their dusky brown nipples are highlighted in front of what looks to be a Spongebob Squarepants shower curtain? Dean's a very confusing mixture of turned on and wanting to laugh, which feels oddly good. For the first few years after their dad died, Dean was so busy trying to take care of Sam and keep their electric on that he didn't really have time to think about sex, let alone go out and find it. Since Sam went off to college, he's indulged in the occasional one-night stand, but laughing or cracking jokes during a random hookup is generally considered bad manners. This strange combination of arousal and humor feels like its own kind of intimacy, And Dean's relieved that it seems like their usual playful banter will carry over into this new aspect of their relationship. First of all, your brother's a child. Second, you're an asshole for making me think dirty thoughts in front of Spongebob Man. And third, this isn't a reward, it's torture. Holy shit. Dean wiggles on his sheets again as little Dean takes serious interest in that picture. Innocent childhood cartoons be damned. What CJ looks like has never really seemed to matter, but Dean is definitely not disappointed with this new development. You made me think dirty thoughts in front of a kitten. Touché. Well, I haven't yet, but I'm pretty sure we'll get there. I don't usually put out on the first date. It takes Dean a moment to work that one out. Then his mouth drops open, and his dick gives an excited twitch at the prospect of CJ touching him. You are killing me in the best possible way here. Where the hell has this side of you been hiding all this time? Underneath four months of building sexual tension? Is it too much? Dean's never wanted to kiss someone so much in his life. He chuckles at this giant, absolute fucking hot dork He somehow managed to land. Nah, not too much. Believe me, I'm not complaining. Just still a little blown away that you're actually into me. And I swear to fucking God, if you make a single comment about being blown or into me, I'm not talking to you for the next three days. Really? Three whole days? Two. At least one. Hour. Okay, so Dean's a giant absolute fucking dork as well. He's not sorry. As tempting as it is to continue making everything you say into euphemisms, I really do need to take a shower before my brother gets home and can take the opportunity to turn on every faucet and flush the toilets repeatedly. Once again, Dean wants to laugh, but instead groans when he realizes that CJ's about to leave him more than half hard to get into the shower of all places, which means Dean is going to be left imagining water sluicing across those washboard abs, following that happy trail down, down. Fine, I see how it is. Enjoy your shower, dude. Oh, I will. Have a good evening, Dee. Message me tomorrow and we'll set up our date. I will? Did CJ just admit he's going to be touching himself in the shower? Touching himself while thinking about Dean? Dean had been hell-bent on not getting off to thoughts of CJ until they'd at least had their first date. But based on the conversation they just had, he's pretty sure CJ won't mind. In fact, Dean would bet good money that someday, sooner than later, he hopes, CJ's going to ask Dean if he's ever touched himself while thinking of him. And, well, Dean would hate to disappoint. Scrolling through their message history one-handed, Dean cups himself through his black boxer briefs with the other. Finding the picture of CJ's very naked upper half, he spends another long moment appreciating those firm biceps and broad muscular shoulders. He can see one forearm in the picture, tanned and covered in dark hair, but CJ's hands aren't visible. Dean bets he has good hands, though, large, firm, and long-fingered. He wonders if those hands are running across CJ's soapy body right now, his thumbs grazing over those brown nipples. Dean runs a thumb over his own nipple and shivers at the zing it sends straight to his cock. From there, CJ's hands would skate down his wet, solid torso, slipping over soaped-up abs until they glide along slippery hip bones. Resting his phone on his chest, Dean trails his fingers along his own hip bones, slipping them underneath the elastic of his briefs, lifting his ass to slide the underwear down his legs and off. Spreading his legs, he imagines C.J. wrapping those long fingers around his own cock, wishing they were Dean's, before he takes himself in hand. Dean lets his head fall back against the pillow as he strokes a hand down his hard length. Fuck. He's already dripping pre-cum, and he shudders as he swipes a thumb over his sensitive head, to gather it up and ease the slide, wishing it was C.J. touching him. He imagines C.J. standing in the shower, forehead braced against the cool tile, as he strips his wet cock, thinking of Dean. Before long, he's picturing himself there with C.J., sucking kisses into the back of his neck before moving down along those meaty shoulders. He pauses to pull the container of Astroglide out of his nightstand drawer, pouring a little into his hands and rubbing them together before returning one to his cock and using the other to fondle his sack. Moaning at the sensation, his hand picks up speed, the cool lube slicking the way. He imagines himself tucking a chin over CJ's shoulder, looking down across that magnificent expanse of skin and muscles as he reaches around to stroke CJ's cock, every bit as gorgeous as the rest of him. He wonders what C.J. will sound like. Will he let out high-pitched little whimpers or breathy sighs as Dean strokes him? Or will he release deep, guttural moans instead? Will he spew a litany of dirty talk, desperate prayers, and filthy praise as Dean works his cock? Dean lets loose his own moan as he feels that coiling spring inside him near its release. The pressure builds as he drops a finger down past his balls to tease along his hole. Oh, fuck. Dean moans as he dips a finger into his hole, just enough to tease along the sensitive furled rim, imagining how good it's going to feel when it's CJ doing this for him. Fuck, fuck, fuck. His babbling cuts off as fantasy shower CJ turns around, looking into Dean's eyes as he comes. Spurting thick, hot stripes across his belly. Fantasy CJ fades away, crystal blue eyes the exact same shades as Cass's, the last thing to disappear. Chapter Eight, Add Dry Ingredients, Stir Until Just Combined Go ahead and take a look around, calls the complex manager, Joe, her long blonde ponytail swinging behind her as she ducks back out of the apartment door. I'm going to grab some paperwork and I'll be right in. Nodding, Castiel steps through the entryway of the modest but cheerful apartment. He opens a door immediately to his right and finds a large coat closet, that probably also makes up the majority of the apartment's storage. Closing that door, he checks the next to find the apartment's single bathroom. Stepping inside, Castiel runs his fingertips over the clean, white subway tile, before testing the brushed nickel faucets in the sink and bathtub. He releases a pleased hum as the shower heats up quickly, the large, modern-looking showerhead putting out a steady stream of water as much as he's looking forward to moving out of Gabriel's apartment. He would have been sad to sacrifice such fantastic water pressure. After months of scrimping and saving on his barista salary, Castiel is still light years away from being able to afford anything even remotely resembling his previous lifestyle. But his recent conversation with Dee, and the subsequent shower which was spent imagining himself biting marks into the softness above that taunting waistband before coming across that broad, chiseled chest, where all it took to convince Castiel that it's time to find a place of his own. He can't very well fuck D into his air mattress, after all, or vice versa. Castiel hadn't realized just how sexually frustrated he's been, feeling torn between his feelings for D and his lust for Dean, these past few months, until he decided to focus all of his attention on just one of the men, and finding out said man apparently feels the same way about him. Dee's admission seems to have opened a floodgate of desire in Castiel, and he's more than eager to have a proper bedroom to take the man apart in. Of course, he'll first have to buy a proper bed for that room, but he should be able to afford that thanks to Dean. When he overheard Castiel complaining to Charlie about how hard it is to find an affordable apartment in the city, he immediately pulled out his phone and offered up his friend Joe's number. Castiel hadn't mentioned why he was looking for a new place to Dean. After all, Dean doesn't even know he's living with Gabe. When they met, he'd figured a job proposition from a put-together business manager— would probably be more appealing than one from a recently unemployed and homeless glorified barista. Now, given their recent almost kiss, he's certainly not about to admit the real reason he can no longer live with his brother. When Dean had asked why he was moving, Castiel had blushed and mumbled something about wanting to get out of his current roommate situation. Charlie had snickered and shot him a knowing look but blissfully hadn't ratted him out. She's been after him to ask Dean out for weeks now. Castiel hasn't told her about his ongoing friendship, or upcoming date with Dee, of course, and not only because she's unbearably smug about her interference paying off after all. Charlie has lectured him about online safety more times than he can count, and he's sure she'd be less than thrilled to learn that he's developed a romantic attachment to someone he knows so little about, even if she was the one who tried to set him up with the guy in the first place. He imagines she probably expected him to get at least a last name before falling head over heels, but getting Dee's last name would have meant supplying and explaining his own, and that is a conversation he would much rather have in person. No, no he's much better off waiting until after their date to say anything to his best friend. For his part, Dean had just barked one of those booming laughs of his and clapped Castiel on the shoulder, saying if living with his roommate is anything with living like Sam and his burrito gas, he gets it. As close a call as that moment had been for Castiel's ego, he's incredibly grateful Dean hooked him up with Joe. Joe Harvell manages a series of older apartment buildings that have been renovated to be more up-to-date, but lack a lot of the bells and whistles in the newer complexes like Gabe's, bringing their price point down to something Castiel can mostly afford. It's still going to be tight, but much more manageable than the apartments he'd been looking at in Gabriel's neighborhood. Water pressure may be a necessity, but Castiel is more than willing to sacrifice hardwood floors, and granite countertops for 300 less per month. It's interesting just how little he actually misses the luxuries from his former life. When he'd first learned that all of his accounts had been frozen thanks to his father and brother's complete lack of business ethics, he'd been terrified. As grateful as he was that he seemed to have been categorized more as a victim than an accomplice in his family's crimes, Knowing that all of his finances tied to the Novak estate would probably never be seen again had seemed insurmountable. Looking back now, Castiel feels ashamed over how despairing he'd been to leave behind his luxury apartment and all its amenities. He was nothing but a self-absorbed yuppie, douchebag as Dee would say. He wonders what Dee will think when he learns the full story of Castiel's past, He thinks that's probably part of the reason he's been so reserved in what he shares about his offline life during their conversations. The more he learns about Dee, the more Castiel worries that Dee will realize he's just a shallow, pathetic former trust fund brat who couldn't even make a box of macaroni and cheese until recently. A peek into what he thought might be the linen closet reveals a stacked washer and dryer, How could he ever admit to Dee, who had actually spent a few years living out of his father's old car, or whatever hotel they happened to be driving past after they lost his father's garage, that he was thirty years old before he learned how to use a laundromat? The apartment's only bedroom is directly across the hall from the bathroom. Castiel walks across the room, carpet cushioning his steps, unlike the faux wood laminate throughout the rest of the apartment. The bedroom isn't overly spacious, but it's large enough to accommodate a king size bed and a dresser or two. The far wall has a large set of sliding glass doors, which open to a balcony that's shared with the living room. The view isn't anything particularly impressive, mainly showcasing other apartments, but the glass doors let in plenty of natural light. Making his way back through the short hallway and into the open living slash dining slash kitchen area, he frowns thoughtfully at the space in the center with a set of hanging pendant lights, clearly indicating where a dining room table should go. It's going to be quite some time before he's able to afford a table. He's hopeful that he might be able to afford at least a sofa for the living room though he'll probably be watching Netflix on his computer for a while instead of on a TV. When he'd first left behind his furnished apartment in Chicago, he'd considered it something of a blessing that he didn't have to deal with moving, storing, or selling his furniture and appliances. Now, however, he thinks about how useful it would be to have a storage unit full of furniture instead of just a corner of Gabriel's apartment complex storage, stacked with boxes of clothes, and old comic books from his teenage years he hadn't been able to bring himself to discard. He's checking out the kitchen's mid-range appliances and classic white cabinets when Joe returns, setting a manila file folder on the brown and gray faux granite countertop. What do you think? She asks with a friendly smile. It's perfect, Castiel replies simply, and it is. Signing his name to the lease agreement, Joe reviews with him in detail. Castiel feels prouder of this modest apartment he's about to rent using money he earned through his own hard work than any of the supposed accomplishments he made or the extravagances he was able to afford thanks to his family's money and connections. Castiel doesn't think he's ever had anything of value that was truly his before. Everything he owned, everything he was belonged to the Novaks. He may not have done this entirely on his own, but it's still his. Once Castiel has signed his lease and handed over his check, and he can't help but notice that she waits until after he's committed to living in this apartment for the next year, Joe's friendly smile turns shark-like. "'So,' she says casually, "'you're a friend of Dean's, huh? "'I'm surprised I've never met you before.' I know most of Dean's friends, she snorts. Actually, I am most of Dean's friends. Well, me and Benny. He works much too much to make any others. Actually, work is kind of how we met, Castiel explains. He wonders offhandedly if this Benny is Dean's unrequited love interest. For some reason he can't quite explain, the thought irks him. Dean does all of the baking for the coffee shop I manage. "'Oh, so you're the one that stole him from my mom,' Joe says with a grin. "'Well, I can see the appeal. You can definitely offer Dean things the roadhouse can't.'" Castiel hesitates, trying to figure out if Joe is making a double entange or if she's just talking about the business opportunities working with Castiel has created for "'Dean.' Not really sure what to do about it either way, he decides to focus on another part of her comment instead. Ah, so your mother owns Harbell's Roadhouse. That would make her Ellen, correct? Yeah, Joe's smile brightens. Dean told you about her? Well, more Sam than Dean, he confesses, and Joe offers a fond eye roll that speaks to her long time connection with the Winchesters. Castiel can certainly feel that sense of family Sam had conveyed when he spoke of Ellen. Figures, she nods. Dean's not exactly a chatty Cathy. We do miss him, though. Do me a favor and tell him he needs to stop by and say hi to his old family more often. I will, Castiel promises. I would say I'm sorry I stole him, but I really can't be. Dean's baking has really saved our shop. He's an incredible asset. Joe snorts again. Yeah, I bet he is. This time, Castiel is fairly certain she's twisting his words into an innuendo. Dean is a wonderful baker and a charming person, but I assure you, we are just friends and co-workers. I, um, I'm actually seeing someone else. He stammers, his heart thudding in his chest. This is the first time he's described he and Dee's relationship that way. And it gives him a thrill, never mind the fact that they haven't actually seen one another yet. Well, one another's faces, that is. Joe stares at him for a moment, her light brown eyes weighing him carefully. Hmm, she eventually answers. That's too bad. I could have sworn Dean was seeing someone, too. The last two times I've seen him, he's been glued to his phone. I thought maybe it was you, but I guess not. Castiel keeps his face neutral. He knows that Dean is at least seriously interested in someone, but Joe won't learn that from him. He had also noticed how often Dean seems to check his phone at work, while he's on break or in between batches of muffins or scones, but he hadn't known it was unusual behavior for the man. Not that Castiel can judge, of course, given that he spends virtually every free moment with his phone in his hand. For a crazy moment, his mind imagines that Dee really is Dean, that all this time he's been messaging the gorgeous baker in the next room, and he laughs at himself before dispelling the thought. No, life is never that simple, and besides, Dee is more than worthy of Castiel's affection on his own. Castiel doesn't need him to be anyone other than who he is. As he drives home from his new apartment, Castiel takes a moment to be thankful for at least one of his brothers. The sweet bean won't be able to pay him an actual store manager's salary for a bit longer yet. But when Gabe learned he was apartment hunting, he insisted upon giving him a bonus for finding that baker to save my soft doughy ass that Castiel knows came from his personal account. Neither of them commented on the fact that the bonus just happened to be enough to cover a security deposit and and first-and-last month's rent on most one-bedroom apartments in the area. He reminds himself of this fact as he steps into Gabe's apartment and hears his brother's greeting. Cassie! So did you find a place to do the dirty with your new Internet boy toy? Is there good lighting? Plenty of space to set up the camera? Gabe waggles his eyebrows. His brother sneaking up behind him and reading one of his conversations with D over his shoulder ranks right up there with the moment his father walked out of his office in handcuffs, flanked by federal agents, as one of the worst moments of Castiel's life. Okay, maybe he's being a little overdramatic. Did you check how thick the walls are? Because I don't think my bathroom here is as soundproof as you seem to think it is. Or maybe not. Gabriel. I did not check how thick the walls are. This apartment isn't going to be a porn studio. It's going to be my home. It can't be both? Castiel rolls his eyes. We don't all aspire to live in a den of iniquity. Why not? Gabe asks incredulously, pausing with a spoonful of cereal halfway to his mouth. It's nearly lunchtime, which means it's breakfast time for his brother. "'who has probably just rolled out of bed. "'Finish your Cocoa Puffs.' "'Castiel rolls his eyes, wondering, not for the first time, "'how he can possibly be the youngest brother. "'But you do plan to give Big D the Big D, right?' "'Gabe asks around a mouthful of puffs. "'Sighing and pinching the bridge of his nose, "'Castiel glares daggers at Gabe "'as he sets his keys in the key tray, "'which is naturally empty.' given that Gabe's keys are probably on top of the refrigerator or inside the washing machine. I do hope that eventually D and I will become physically intimate, but I can promise you with 100% certainty that I will never refer to it as giving someone the big D. Got you to say it, though. Of course, I didn't mean to imply that it has to be you doing the giving. It's perfectly okay if you're the one getting D's D. Gabe chortles. Really, would it have been too much to ask that Castiel be an only child? His charitable thoughts from earlier are quickly eroding away the more time he spends talking to Gabe about D. D and I haven't even been on a date yet. We still don't know any identifying details about the other. I think it's a little too soon to be having conversations about preferred sexual positions. And it will always be too soon to be having this conversation with my brother. Party pooper? Really, though, I'm just happy you might be getting some from somewhere. You're way too uptight, Cassie. It's not good for the Constitution. If anyone needs to unwind and let loose a little, it's you. Honestly, I'm a little surprised you're not stripping Dino already. The way you 2 I eye-fuck all the time. I thought for sure you were getting some free samples of those buns. Gabe waggles his eyebrows as Castiel nearly trips over his own feet in shock. Dean and I do not I fuck He protests weakly. Gabe snorts. Oh, please. I thought I was going to have to start checking IDs at the door and charging a cover fee for that X-rated content you're putting out. Children visit that shop, you giant perv. Gabriel chides with a proud grin. Castiel groans and flops onto the barstool next to Gabe at the island countertop, burying his head in folded arms. "'Come on, Cassie,' his brother sues with a pat to his back. "'There's no shame in appreciating the hot baker's goodies. "'I can even tell the guy is downright fuckable, and I'm at least ninety-three percent straight.' Resolutely refusing to inquire about the remaining seven per cent Castiel sighs in defeat, fine, yes, I find Dean attractive, very attractive, he amends as git he amends at Gabe's disbelieving eyebrow lift, and he's attracted to me as well, but we're not stooping, nor do we have any intention of doing so in the future. We're both interested in other people. Gabe sighs, turning uncharacteristically serious for a moment. All right, fine. Just be careful, okay? Don't go wrapping up your heart and serving it to your mystery guy a la carte just yet. Like you said, you barely even know the guy. Castiel smiles. I know enough. He's still smiling 20 minutes later when, Gabe finally having left him to his own device's, He messages Dee and begins making plans for their date. Maybe I don't know what his face looks like or where he works, but I know the important things, Sam. Dean growls out in frustration as he gathers up the dirty laundry from Sam's room, tossing it into the laundry basket perched on his hip. Like his last name? Sam snarks back, and Dean glowers at him, suddenly wishing that CJ would have waited to ask him out until Sam had gone back to school next month. I know him. That's all I need to know. He strides down the hallway, carrying the laundry basket until he reaches the washer and dryer, which occupy a small alcove between the kitchen and Dean's bedroom, disturbing Cupcake, who's sunning herself in the light streaming in through the glass panes in the back door, directly across from the laundry area. Setting the laundry basket on top of the dryer, Dean ignores her plaintive yowl as he yanks the detergent down from the shelf above, agitatedly measuring and pouring the liquid into the washing machine basin while trying to ignore the presence of the six-foot-four Sasquatch next to him. Naturally, he hadn't meant to tell Sam about CJ, but ever since they finalized plans for their date last week, Dean has become increasingly nervous with each passing day, and when he's nervous, Dean cleans. The entire trailer is spotless, "'scrubbed ceiling to floor in Dean's pre-date jittery scourge. "'The sweet bean is much the same. "'In fact, he still owes Kevin an apology "'for snapping at him when he asked Dean "'why he'd torn through half their entire monthly cleaning list in two days. "'Of course Sam had noticed. "'At first, he didn't actually say anything. "'Settling for a questioning eyebrow raise and puppy-dog eyes,' That Dean determinedly ignored. He knew it wouldn't last, though, and he was right. After the first few days, Sam started picking at him, methodically pressing each and every one of Dean's buttons the way only a younger brother could, until he snapped. I have a date, okay? He finally roared at Sam, the teenager's triumphant smirk turning quickly into one of joy at least until he'd pried who the date was with out of Dean. Look, I'm not saying you shouldn't meet this guy. Clearly you care about him a lot. I'm just saying that maybe you should exchange some personal info first. Maybe trade pictures. That way I have something to show the cops when they need one for the missing person poster. Sam reaches down to scratch Cupcake behind the ears. I know what he looks like. Dean grouses. Last seen with a man who says he's six feet tall and has dark hair and blue eyes probably isn't going to be very helpful to the investigation. Sam answers petulantly, and damn, apparently he told Sam more about CJ than he'd realized. I do know what some of him looks like, for sure. He's definitely got the complexion and the dark hair. We've traded pictures, just not of our faces. Gross, Dean. Dean. Not like that, you perv, Dean retorts, but he knows his face is turning red. He and CJ hadn't veered into the territory of semi-naughty selfies again so far, but that same sexual tension that had fueled their conversation almost two weeks ago seems to be an ever-present background to their messaging now. I really am glad you found someone you like this much, Dean. I just think you shouldn't go putting all your trust in this guy, till you actually meet him. I know he seems great, but he could totally be catfishing you. Well, Dean answers as he pulls the clean towels he'd washed earlier out of the dryer. There's only one way to find out for sure, isn't there? I guess, Sam sulks. I still don't see why you couldn't have just dated Cass instead. He's really great and he's clearly into you. I can tell that just by the hard eyes he throws your way every time the two of you are in the same room. It's disgusting. Dean rolls his eyes, setting the basket of towels on the kitchen table and running a hand over his face before he turns to his brother. First of all, Cass thinking I have a pretty face doesn't mean he's into me. It just means he has good taste. Dean grins, and now it's Sam's turn to roll his eyes. Second of all, there's a whole list of reasons why Cass and I wouldn't work out. Such as? Dean picks up the first towel, shoving it at Sammy to fold as he reaches for another for himself. If the giant oaf is going to stand there and interrogate Dean, he can at least make himself useful. Cupcake helps in her own way, rubbing her face against Dean's jean-clad legs and Sam's bare ones, because like the giant dork he is, Sam actually wears shorts in the summertime. One, Cass is my boss. Workplace relationships in general are a bad idea, but boss and employee, extra terrible. Sam frowns as he folds his towel. He's not exactly your boss, Dean. You bake for the shop, and you guys put out joint catering orders together, but it's not like he tells you what to do. You created your own schedule, and you do all the inventory and ordering for the bakery now. You're basically just a bakery running out of the Sweet Beans kitchen. You're more like business partners than employer and employee. But I'm officially on the Beans payroll, Dean points out. Sam shrugs. So? If you're worried about it, ask Gabe to figure out what he would charge you to sublet his kitchen, and then they can take you off the payroll as a barista pay you that amount for their bakery orders, and you can pay them back the money to rent the kitchen space. The way your business is picking up, you could even get your own business license and insurance soon, and then they really would be two separate businesses. Dean pauses mid-fold, because that's actually not a bad idea, and is probably something he should look into doing anyway. Stupid baby brothers and their stupid pre-law classes. Without a way to refute Sam's point, he goes on. Two, Cass comes from a completely different world, man. He's a Novak, for fuck's sake. The guy and I can't possibly have anything in common. I used to work on cars. He used to be driven around in them. What the hell would we even talk about on a date? And just look at this place, Sam. Like I could bring a guy like that here. Used to, Dean. Cass used to be driven around in cars and stuff. Now he's just an ordinary guy. It doesn't matter what his past is or what yours is. And you might have more in common than you think if you'd just take the time to get to know him. Setting his newly folded towel on top of the stack in front of him, Dean lays out his third and final point. Third, Cass is great, but he's not CJ. Sam's eyes widen in surprise beneath the shaggy curtain of hair fallen into his face. He runs a hand through it as he answers. Wow, you really like this guy, don't you? Yeah, Sam, I really do. All right. I won't say anything else. After all, who am I to stand in the way of two tw- He adds in a nasally voice. Dean points at him. If you start with the mowage speech, I'm going to cover you with catnip while you're sleeping and lock Cupcake in your room. Jerk. Sam answers with a grin. Dean rolls his eyes fondly as he picks up another towel. Bitch. Thank you so much for your support.